0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to Coach and K-Dot. Um, thank you so much for listening to us. Um, we really appreciate it. We've had 52 listens so far in our last podcast, um, so we're kind of rebuilding our audience. Um, but we're really excited to keep going, be more consistent. Um, and I know we had a little bit of a, an issue last week, but we're dropping two this week. So stay tuned. There's so much to talk about. Sports are starting to pick back up. And in baseball's case, not. But wait for that on another podcast. Anyways, uh, thank you again for listening to Coach and KDOT. Uh, we're going to get into some NFL today. We're going to talk a little baseball cards, um, talk a little NBA with Scott Medlin. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Kyler, tell them what's up.
1: Yeah, we're going to look at the uh, really the um, NFL uh, draft. Um, we did not obviously do a podcast um, after that event, and it seems like it was um, a long time ago. And uh, I think because honestly, COVID, makes it feel like everything has been so long ago. <laughs> Um, but this was, of course, a virtual draft, the very first one ever. Um, and hopefully, the last one that will be like that because part of the NFL draft and the fun of that is when Roger Goodell comes out and what the fans do. I mean, the just the 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 hundreds, it seems like thousands that of booze just come down on that poor man. (laughs) Actually, no, I have no, actually, no, he's I don't feel bad at all. Um, he deserves it, but uh, that's part of the fun. And of course, that this year that did not happen. Um, but it was uh, great to have that because during that point of uh, of COVID-19, there was really nothing. I mean, at all. Um, I mean, no, nothing. Now we have, you know, we have like, you know, a couple, do you want, you want to consider your in a NASCAR and an PGA tour and you know, the NBA is coming back and um, NHL coming back fairly soon. So there's, you know, that's now what we see now, but of course, back then, uh, back then, you know, two months ago, it was nothing. <laughs> uh, so anyways, I want to kind of just go over, um, you know, uh, NFC in this podcast and to kind of go over what each team uh, looked for and what they added, um, hopefully, uh, for this year's NFL season. The NFL's playing ongoing, and um, I'm excited about that because I, I love NFL football and I love football in general, um, but I'm really excited about uh, seeing some NFL football very soon. So I'm going to start off the NFC South and um, start with the Falcons. And, uh, man <laughs> – you know, some of the Falcons, it, it seems like, you know, it's like uh, one of those situations, I, I think every year, you know, you look at that team on paper and it's like, man, this team should be legit. Yep. And then the wheels just fall apart. You know, you think about one of the best receivers in the game, Julio Jones, and I've yet to see, I think, really him explode like he can because he did not get the ball as much as I think he should. Uh, that guy's an elite receiver. But, anyways, I'm not going to talk about their team, but what they drafted. Uh, first round, of course, they went with uh, A.J. Terrell. Uh, he's a three-year cornerback at Clemson. Um, I remember watching, of course, the first round there when they made that pick, and uh, the first and the analyst all in agreement said was that was a reach. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not what you want to hear in, in the first round if you're a Falcons fan. Uh, but, again, he was a three-year starter at Clemson, so we know he's capable of playing cornerback um he's gone up against some some solid receivers in the acc that were drafted in the previous years or even the current year um and so we know he can play uh but actually his numbers were actually a little bit down um in his senior year his last year there uh playing so at clemson so three year starter definitely has the potential to grow there um but i think they're expecting him to come in and play right away um but when i hear reach in the first round that's definitely a little bit concerning um they picked up also marlon davidson uh from auburn kind of the uh the the fire to the ice of Derek Brown, you know, there from Auburn. That that incredible defensive line that Auburn had last year. He had six and a half sacks as a senior, uh, a really a good disruptor in that middle, good run stopper as well. Uh you know, I think honestly, as a defensive end, you get six and a half sacks as a senior in the SEC. That that's not that's a very tough thing to do. Right. Um and I would actually consider that to be a steal. I think he can definitely play at the NFL level. And it was actually a little bit overshadowed by how good Derrick Brown was because Derrick Brown is absolutely an elite defensive lineman. He played alongside of him. So he was that kind of – that second fiddle. But uh, that first fiddle was pretty impressive. Uh, So Marlon Davidson there. um, Picked up uh, Matt Hennessy from Temple, uh, linebacker there. uh, Michael Walker, uh, similar again. The one I want to get to now is Jalen Hawkins. He had six interceptions as a junior from Cal safety. Um, six interceptions in the Pac-12. I know, of course, you play Washington State of mine with Mike Leach. They throw the ball, you know, 75 times a game. So six (laughs) INTs in one game may actually possible. Uh, But uh, still Pac-12, six INTs is still pretty impressive as a junior. Um, And I think, obviously, I think he'll probably be more of a depth kind of guy, uh, maybe a development. He was drafted, I believe, in the sixth round. And um, they got your boy from Cuse, the kicker. Uh oh, Mr. Hoffrochter. So I mean that guy, of course, one of the greatest last names you can think of. Um but of course they, they did go with a kicker. So uh I don't know how I feel about kickers in NFL drafts. Um the one that I come back to all the time is Aguayo, uh the Tampa Bay selected from Florida State, and he turned out to be a bust. I mean they took him early. So I'm not really big on kickers being selected in NFL draft, but to each their own. Um, I'll just say this: If you take a kicker in at in, in least any of the seven rounds, um, you better be convinced this guy is going to be your kicker for a, for a good amount of time. Because there's been some steals in, in the in the sixth and seventh round in the past. Um, the guys that have contributed and not been just you know either barely making the team or depth signings. I'm going to the Panthers now under Matt Rule, and uh, of course from Baylor, and they are in a complete rebuild mode. That is no question. No one can question that right now. Um, but man, you gotta love their first pick and Derek Brown. Uh, he is a disruptive force on that Auburn defensive line last year in the SEC. And I think that's going to translate straight in the NFL. And he's the kind of guy um, – I, I, I don't want to, you know, limit him, but I'm thinking maybe Gerald McCoy kind of in his prime.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and I think, you know, when you look at Gerald McCoy, at a great, great couple years, and it's kind of faded a little bit over the past few. But uh, Derrick Brown, disruptor, had four sacks as a senior, but really good run stopper, just a, a menacing physical force in that middle defensive line for the Carolina Panthers. Um, then Gross Matos uh, had nine sacks from Penn State as an edge guy. That is no small accomplishment either in the Big Ten. Um, nine sacks, definitely can get after the quarterback. Uh, the Panthers had a very common theme in this year's draft, and that theme was defense. Um, they're, all their picks on the defensive side of the ball um, end up uh, picking up two cornerbacks, um, uh, Pride from Notre Dame, uh, was uh, of course comes from a very well-known program of course program that you I don't think really like that much uh, <laughs> but um, nonetheless two cornerbacks there a safety uh, Patrick Robinson from West Virginia uh, three-time starter there um, Brandon Roy defensive tackle Baylor but basically if you want to look at the Panthers draft it was defense and they're definitely focusing on that for sure in their real build process. Then you go to the New Orleans Saints and Sean Payton and um, I'll be honest with you I very rarely ever question Sean Payton's decisions um, the man, the man knows how to coach football, and he knows how to get a productivity of anybody. I mean, you think of Taysom Hill. I mean, uh, he found a role for him that he flourishes in. I mean, not many, not many coaches do that and find a quarterback that many people go, oh, he's not going to play at the next level, and then use him the way that he does. But he goes right away and he gets somebody to protect Drew Brees, be under center for him, Cesar Ruiz uh, from Michigan. I think he steps in right again as a starter. Um, of course, he needs to be. Uh, when you're drafting the first round as an offensive lineman, you should step in right as a starter, and I think that's what he's going to be for him. Um, was a very, uh, I think, a very overlooked pick in this draft because offensive linemen aren't those really, you know, the really big appeals. Uh, but it's like, oh, man, that's a playmaker. He, you know, in order for there to be plays, you got to protect the quarterback, and you've got to be able to open for a running back.
0: Yep.
1: And um, especially to open running lanes, you've got to have a good center. I think uh, like Jason Kelsey. Uh, over in Philly, one of the best in the game at center. So, I mean, if you could, if he could, and that was one of his comps. So, I mean, if he gets that, oh man, you got an absolute steal uh, with this ROEs. Um, Zach Bond, 12 and a half sacks as a senior, 75 tackles from Wisconsin. Uh, we, I just praise, you know, Grossmontes for nine from Penn State in the same division, Wisconsin. He had 12 and a half. Um, that man's going to get out to the quarterback, a great tackler. And anytime you can get the quarterback 12 and a half times in the college football season, I believe that's going to translate to the next level. Yeah. Uh, also, Adam Adam Trotman um, from Dayton, just another weapon for Drew Brees. And then uh, a very interesting one uh, was Tommy Stevens uh, from Mississippi State. Um, now we know, of course, Mike Leach actually has now left Washington State to Mississippi State, and of course, my North Carolina State Wolfpack opened up the season against. I'm sorry, the second game of the year is against Mississippi State in the newly. Uh, formed Mississippi State team under Mike Leach. Uh, but this was Tommy Stevens. He actually threw for 11 touchdowns and five interceptions. I mean, so nothing really to write home about. Um, but he's a very mobile quarterback. Uh, ran for almost 400 yards and had uh, four touchdowns as a as a running quarterback. So I don't know if this is a Taysom Hill kind of remake here.
2: Right.
1: Um, I see Tommy Stevens as a guy that's going to step on the field anytime soon and be this incredible quarterback. Of course, I'm not an NFL scout, but the numbers don't lie to me that he – uh, was not known as a prolific passer at Mississippi State. Um, but we know he was a runner, um, and I think they're obviously going to try to utilize him maybe in some formations or uh, maybe it was just uh, – maybe something they saw that they liked, maybe see if we make the team. I don't know. it was a seventh-round pick. So the Saints only had really four picks, um, but uh, I believe they had three guys with Reese, Bond, and uh, Trotman. Uh, three guys I think contribute, No doubt. And then the Bucks, of course, with their newly formed team under Tom Brady, who would have thought we'd say the thing that Tom Brady and Tampa Bay uh, you know Jameis Winston no longer no longer part of that uh, uh, part of that group um, but of course they go right away and protect um, Tom Brady with Tristan Wo from Iowa um, Comps are a lot for him are Trent Williams um, so if you get that kind of praise, then I think we know right away this guy is going to be able to hopefully be able to protect Tom Brady. And for Tom Brady's career, Tom Brady better hope that Tristan Wirfs uh, can block to make sure he doesn't get killed um, with some of the better uh, edge rushers we have in the league uh, that are coming after him every single time. Um, a lot of, There's a lot of rumors going into the draft that actually Trent Williams um, was a possibility being dealt uh, to the Tempe Buccaneers. And then once they took Tristan Wirfs, obviously that that kind of died down. Right. Uh, he's gone from Minnesota. Um, I think he's going to push for some playing time at safety. Um, a very interesting one that I, I kind of think again is, is a little bit overlooked, but you got to look at the numbers purely. Sean Vaughn, he actually transferred from Illinois to Bandy this year. Um, went from twelve touchdowns to nine, so a little bit down the touchdown total, but still was a, a thousand-yard rusher um, two years back to back, and um, doing that in the SEC, um, that that is rather difficult. Uh, when we have new Alabama running backs that get that, and we we praise them. Incredibly. So I'm not saying he's he's some guy that's going to come in and just blow people away, but I think it's a great value pick. Um, anytime I see a back-to-back a thousand-yard rusher, that says to me, uh, this guy can play. Um, so um, we had you had some uh, a lot of picks there for Tampa Bay. Um, I believe they had seven total uh, picks. So that was, they had at least one for every round to add weapons around Tom Brady at, at a great offensive lineman. Um, the last one I want to mention here is is Tyler Johnson uh from Minnesota. He's 6'2 206. Uh so he's a he's a big boy um and, and um can really get after it more of a, a bigger build than your normal 6'2 um C Lamb 6'2 190. So you're talking about you know 16 pounds heavier than the C. Lamb but similar size. Um but he had some crazy numbers over 1,300 yards receiving and 13 touchdowns. Um that, that right yeah that right there says to me right away obviously um, I mean, we're talking about Tom Brady too. I mean, he's the guy that finds you know Danny Amendola. I mean, he's made Wes Welker, you know, this just an incredible, incredible guy that you know we we all want to draft in fantasy football. For, you know, for the last you know how many years, um, he'll take you know a Chris Hogan who we don't even think about, and we're you know like a receiver gets hurt when he when he was in New England, and we're searching for the next guy on the depth chart because Tom Brady is going to find him right. like that. That's, so you give him a guy with 1,300 receiving yards and 13 touchdowns in college at Minnesota in the Big Ten, um, I, got, I got a feeling Tom Brady's going to be able to find him and enjoy having a weapon like that. A really physical guy, a possession guy. Um, but but he's, he's bigger than Lamb, uh, which is crazy to think about. I don't think he's not as explosive. Um, but 1,300 yards is something that I think definitely needs to, to be taken of note for sure. Um, so if you're asking me out uh, of the NFC South who won the draft, you know – um, as much as I hate to say it, because I'm not a huge fan, obviously it's franchise, even though I'm local, um, I'm going to give it to Carolina Panthers, actually. Um, I think they did what I think you should do in a draft, and that's address your needs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not against drafting value. Um, I'm all for drafting sometimes the best player on the board. But one thing I found is is if your need is a secondary, right, and you go through an entire draft, and you get the best player on the board all the way through, but that best player on the board may be your fourth best wide receiver, but you still have nobody that can play defensive back. Uh, then I, I do question, you know, what did you really accomplish? I think there's a balance that has to be done uh, between addressing your needs and also drafting the best player on the board. And I think the Carolina Panthers did both. But the big thing they did was address the needs. And they went after the defensive line and uh, fixed that with Brown and Gross and then went after the secondary, got a couple guys to really compete. Um, so I'm going to give the win to the Carolina Panthers. And I'm gonna give the worst draft to the Atlanta Falcons. So <laughs> those are, uh, those are the two my uh, two pick winner of the draft for them the Panthers and the Falcons. They're coming in is, is the worst. Um, Bucks were were a very close second, if not if not right there next to the Panthers. But I'm gonna give it to Panthers. I believe they address some needs.
0: Good deal, bro. Good deal. So I'm gonna start with the NFC West. Um, I, I don't like this division. I never have. Uh, growing up on the West Coast, I hate the Seahawks, is what it is. I'm gonna put aside these biases, um, because I, I wanna be a good podcasting host, but just know I don't like the Seahawks, if I bash them is what it is.
1: So you so, so you didn't like the you didn't like the video with you know Russell Wilson in CR when he's like, Yo Seattle, we got a deal. Like that that was not your favorite video of all time?
0: No. Russell Wilson is fake. <laughs> He's not real. He's really good at quarterback. He's not real. He's not a man of the people. Um, I mean, there's so many things I could say. I won't say them all, but I will say some. So we're going to start with the Cardinals. Um, Their first overall pick, Isaiah Simmons. And he's that linebacker, safety, hybrid um, which doesn't always go well. Um, immediately when I hear that, I think of kind of Jabril Peppers. That's not, you know, that's not great. But I think Isaiah Simmons is a little bit different. Um, he's bigger than Jabril Peppers, 6'4", uh, 238. I mean, that's a, that's a large dude. Um, in 2019, he became the first dude since Khalil Mack to record 100 tackles, 16 tackles for loss eight sacks, and more than one interception in a season. So the guy's going to be flying all over the field. Um, And Arizona, obviously not known for their defense. They're rebuilding. Um, I I totally respect that. They got Buda Baker, shout out my guy from Washington, safety. Um, And they're doing their best, I believe, to kind of rebuild that defense to give Kyler Murray a chance. And I think Isaiah Simmons was a great start. Um, You can move him all over the field. They still got Patrick Patterson or Patrick Peterson, excuse me. Patrick Patterson is not good. Patrick <laughs> no. Peterson <laughs> um, in the in the backfield who's a top five corner, has been for a while. And not to get off on a tangent, but you know who Patrick Patterson really reminds me of? Please Champ say. Bailey. Wow. I mean, he just really reminds me of Champ Bailey. He That's high praise. Lost.
1: That's high praise.
0: I know, but he just gets lost in Arizona. It's not his fault. Yeah. Anyways. Um, Isaiah Simmons, I think he's going to be great. I think, obviously, he's going to have to jump right in, get his feet wet. Um, I kind of discard everybody's rookie year because it's really hard to make that adjustment, I think. But I think as the season goes on, we're going to see him um, make a lot of tackles. That's his thing, just being in the right place at the right time and finishing plays. And like I said, he's a big dude. He's only going to get stronger, only going to get better at his craft. I'm a big believer in Isaiah Simmons, even though he's a hybrid in – not a specific position player, which I know is is a hang up in the NFL, and and it's totally fair. But I think Isaiah Simmons, if someone's going to succeed at it, I think he will. Um, their next pick was an offensive lineman, Josh Jones, out of Houston, uh, a tackle. Obviously, they had to get Kyler Murray some help. Um, if you're spending a third round pick on an offensive lineman, you know you're you're you're, you're trying to help. Uh, your your offense there. Um, One thing I am a little concerned with with their offense um, is they um, traded away David Johnson, who wasn't super productive last year, but he was decent. Um, They still have that running back they traded for from Miami. His name slipped my mind. Kenyon Drake. Um, Yeah, yeah, Kenyon Drake, um, who did really well towards the end of the season, kind of opened things up for Kyler. So I'm hoping this offensive lineman will give them a chance. Um, Three of their last four picks were spent On defense, um, two in the fourth round, one in the sixth round. Um, and uh, the one I I, I like is Evan Weaver, um, at a Cal linebacker. Um, he is, and this is this was always surprising to me. It's, I'm not meaning to be racist, but he's a white linebacker and that's just always kind of hilarious to me. Um, but he's 6'2", 237, flies around the field, always making tackles. Um, I think he's one of those people who is just a gamer. Um, I, I don't really know how to explain that other than when the game starts and he's on the field, you're just going to see the guy making plays. Um, he may not well, be in practice. He may not. Um, look like super intimidating, but you know what I'm trying to say? Like he is just, he's a gamer. When the game starts, Evan, I really believe Evan Weaver is going to get a chance in that linebacking core. Um, And their last pick, you know, Benjamin, a running back, he's probably going to be second or third string. I don't think he's going to have a huge impact um, out of Arizona state, but I think he will get a little bit of a chance. Next, we're going to go to the 49ers. Um, And their first pick was Javon Kinlaw. Um, he was a first-team All-American as a senior this last year. Uh, started all 12 games. I believe he's out of South Carolina. Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. And um, he had 93 tackles, 18 tackles for loss, three forced fumbles, and four uh, fumble recoveries as in his career at South Carolina. And like you said, in the SEC, man, it's hard. It's hard to get credit. There's so many talented players, especially defensively. Um, in 2018, uh, he, which is the season he played all of his games, he had 10 tackles for loss and four and a half sacks. So there's, there's some potential there. Um, I I gotta say when he got drafted, I felt like it was a reach a little bit. Um, but I, I especially with San Francisco kind of being known for their defensive line, Um, but I'm not mad at the pick. They're really trying to bolster it again. Um, DeForest Buckner got traded. I think he had a pretty big contract, so they're trying to bring in someone new, Um, but I I don't think they're worried. They got Bosa, um, and he's just an absolute monster, so (laughs) Uh, I don't think the San Francisco 49ers are worried about their defensive line. Um, Their next pick in the first round was Brandon Ayuk. I believe he's out of Arizona State. Yeah, he is. Um, and in two seasons, he had 98 catches for 1600 yards and 11 touchdowns, 13 all American, um, had just a really productive wide receiver. They said that his, um, his comp was Brandon, um, not Brandon cooks. Yeah. Brandon cooks. And so, I I don't necessarily love that comp when I hear that off the bat. Um, You know, I associate Brandon Cooks with a lot of injuries, um, being a speedster, but not much else. But within that offense, um, they do, especially in the scheme. uh, Who's their coach? Kyle Shanahan, right? Um, Mm -hmm. With their scheme, which is a lot of running, um, with their myriad of running backs, uh, and then throwing it to Debo every once in a while, and Emmanuel Sanders, um, I, I think they're they're going to be okay. Um, they did just let Sanders go, so Brandon Ike is going to kind of be stepping right into that place. Um, I, I think Debo, Samuel being on that team helps him a lot. I think Greg Kittle helps him a lot. There's not going to be a lot of pressure on him, I don't think, to produce right away uh, because, again, the 49ers are an established team. They know what they want to be. They want to play defense. Mm-hmm. Jimmy G is going to kind of take care of uh, the offense, he's going to be more of a game manager. Um, so being an offensive player on the 49ers coming in new, I, I don't think he's going to have a lot of pressure. Um, they. What's interesting about San Francisco is after Kinlaw, they only drafted offensive players in the fifth, sixth, and seventh round. They drafted a tackle, a tight end, and a wide receiver. Um, I, I don't see many of these dudes, if any of them, really getting into um, a, a game, maybe the offensive tackle, just because the offensive line switches so often, but Um, They drafted another tight end. George Kittle kind of is holding that down. So um, I I like what the 49ers did. They only had five picks, but um, I I think Kinlaw was a little bit of a reach, but I like what they did with Ike. And I think obviously they're going to be okay. They went to the Super Bowl. Um, The next is the Los Angeles Rams, who have you seen their new logo? I have. How do you feel about it?
1: I think – now, obviously, this was not a – he was not a a LA ram, but Tory Holt, one of the best rams of all time, who's also from a Bulls Packer, I think he'd be embarrassed about it. So
0: okay. It's not good. It's not good. Um, and, uh, yeah, well, let's keep it moving from there. I don't want to do a whole lot of ram slander right now. Um, <laughs> they didn't have any first-round picks because they traded for Jalen Ramsey, who did not turn out to be what they needed him to be that first year. Now, the Rams are interesting to me because they went from Super Bowl to not making the playoffs in that one year turn, um, and I think a lot of it had to do with Indama Um Him and Donald together was just disgusting, um, and then well, they had to let him go because he wants a lot of money, which I totally understand. Um, now. I, I kind of feel for their defense a little bit and then Jalen Ramsey just kind of being thrown in there you know hey you be our shutdown corner which he can be um, but I don't think the scheme was perfect for him so their first pick uh, then went with a running back Everyone, if you haven't heard obviously Todd Gurley uh, was let go <laughs> um, pretty in a pretty funny uh, instance and he took it really well he's on the uh, the Falcons now um, but they drafted Cam Akers out of Florida State. Um, shout out to Florida State. That used to be my favorite college football team. They're not anymore. Um, but Cam Akers out of Florida State, um his comp is Duke Johnson, so um he can catch out of the backfield, he, he can be a solid runner, um, uh, more of a multi purpose back and I think that's good for uh Jared Goff. That's what he needs. Um someone who can do more than one thing, which is why Gurley was so explosive before he hurt his knee real bad. Um, the next person they drafted was Van Jefferson, a wide receiver out of Florida. Um, and his comp is uh, Adam Humphreys, who is more of a slot guy, I believe. So um, mm-hmm. they said he, he he's very skilled. I didn't watch him. I don't watch a ton of SEC football because I feel like I hear about it way too much and I'm biased towards the pac 12 <laughs> Uh, which is why I stay up till 10.30 to start the games. But um, I, I think the Rams, uh, those first two picks, obviously uh, addressing their offense, um, Jared Goff finished last in QBR in the NFC West. So he, he clearly yeah. needs weapons. Um,
1: That's a problem. Too. Yeah,
0: he needs weapons to succeed. Um, he's one of those guys where if he doesn't have great people around him, he's not going to lift the play of the people around him. And as the quarterback, that's really sad, and that's kind of his job. So um, if he doesn't have those great receivers around him, um, then it's going to be tough for him to uh, be successful, basically. So I I like what they did with those first two picks, trying to give him some weapons, um, trying to help him out a little bit. Their next two picks were in the third round. Uh, They got Terrell Lewis out of Alabama and uh, Terrell Burgess out of Utah. Two Terrells. What a a coincidence. Um, Anyone out of Alabama, I kind of just give benefit of the doubt, especially on defense. Um, He's an edge rusher. And, you know, what I think is really cool, also really interesting, but I think the development of the pass rusher, where you know you obviously defensive end, defensive tackle, blah blah blah. But now just being qualified as an edge rusher, and that's like your only job is to attack the quarterback. I think that's a really awesome development in the NFL. I kind of uh, parallel it to uh, positionless basketball in the NBA. That's neither here nor there. I just think that's something that's awesome. Um, so they're trying to get more help to Aaron uh, Donald, obviously who is an all-world player. Uh, they drafted a tight end. Bryce Hopkins out of Purdue, um, again, trying to give Jared Goff some more weapons. Jordan Fuller, safety out of Ohio State, uh, and obviously Ohio State claims to be uh, DBU. I don't know how true that is. I really tend to think that's Florida State, but I'm not going to bash Ohio State on this podcast, not yet. Uh, When college football season rolls around, though, it's coming. Um, But uh, the Rams, they had so many needs. They drafted a kicker, which is just never good, like you said. I'm um, like, that's just, like, why? <laughs> why would you do that? Uh, unless you think they're going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, I think the only drafted kicker that I can think of um, that means something was Sebastian Janikowski. Um, and he is a surefire Hall of Famer, but uh, I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to bash them. And last thing we get to the Seahawks, who, <sighs> I mean, I don't like Pete Carroll. He left SC in a shambles. I don't like Russell Wilson. He's fake. Um, I hated Legion of Boom, although they were dope, and that's one of the sickest nicknames of all time. Um, Couldn't stand Richard Sherman. I mean, their defense is this and that. Okay, I get it. Uh, Liked Doug Baldwin. Good guy. But When I get to the Seahawks, their first pick Jordan Brooks, linebacker out of Texas Tech. Now, I remember, and I've since going back and looking, that was a huge reach in the first round. Um, They didn't have to take him. (laughs) Uh, They have two all-pro linebackers, and obviously they, they needed someone to fill out their third spot. But I don't see why they took him that early. Um, Patrick Queen went to the Baltimore Ravens right after him, um, and he was a m- much more highly touted linebacker. Now, not to say that Jordan Brooks won't have a great career, um, nothing against the guy personally, but I- I'm not really sure what the Seahawks were doing in that case. Um, I would think the Seahawks would want to help Russell Wilson a little bit, I don't know. Maybe try to help that offensive line that he is just getting wrecked behind all the time. Maybe that's just me.
1: Um, I mean, that that boy snaps the ball and starts running backwards. Yeah,
0: catches the ball and just starts running backwards. (laughs) Like, like how how do you guys think that's okay? And then the first pick linebacker. I mean, if I'm Russell Wilson, I'm upset. I'm telling Pete, Pete. Get me some help on this O-line, man. I'm getting killed back here. He gets sacked all the time, and he's running. Think about how many times. If he couldn't run, I mean, he would look like Eli Manning back there, bro. He'd just be getting just destroyed. (laughs) Um, So, again, Pete, not sure what you're doing, but okay. So you'd think, okay, maybe in their next pick, they'll get an offensive lineman. Nope, edge rusher out of Tennessee. All right. So you want to bolster your defense. That's fine. So their next pick, they go with an offensive lineman from the SEC, Damian Lewis out of LSU. Um, I think that's a solid pick. Uh, obviously, LSU had a great offensive line protecting Burrow. Um, and I think that will take a step um, in the right direction for Russell. Then they go tight end and running back, Kobe uh, Parkinson out of Stanford, DJ Dallas out of Miami. Um, I guess I understand the tight end pick. Um, not sure why they've drafted another running back. They already have four. Little confused with that one. Uh, <clears> then <throat> they drafted an edge rusher, uh, Alton Robinson out of Syracuse. Shout out Syracuse. You know what we do. Um,
1: and then Freddie. That Smith, guy had a great career, man. That guy had a great career. <laughs> and then Freddie. he lit up. He lit up NC State so many times. I'm just telling you.
0: Um, and that's the best thing about this podcast. That's, that's the best thing I've heard. And then Freddie <laughs> Swain out of Florida in the sixth round, um, and then another tight end. I mean, I just really don't understand why they didn't draft but one offensive lineman. It, if every play your quarterback is running for his life, I just I can't understand why you wouldn't draft an offensive lineman. So for my worst draft um, in the NFC West, it was clearly the Seahawks. Uh, I don't understand their strategy. Um, I I really don't. I wish I could. I would love to say that I could. I just don't get it. Um, For the best, um, I'm going to go with the Cardinals. Um, I really liked Isaiah Simmons. Um, I really liked that they got an offensive tackle in the third round. Um, And I think Evan Weaver, just remember that name. Evan Weaver I think he's going to be a great linebacker him and Simmons to kind of set up um, the next 10 years of your defense I think he's going to be a fantastic linebacker he's going to anchor everyone Um, he's going to be all around the field Uh, I think he is he's my sleeper pick um, for the NFC West
1: yeah and um, I was going to ask you about the NFC West you're talking about the LA Rams and, um, you know when it comes to fantasy football, you're not a really big Cooper cup fan, are you?
0: okay, all right <clears throat> so I gotta tell a story <laughs> so we have a uh, a fantasy football league for our staff at Liberty uh it's my first one, obviously, and um i i'm I'm giving Kyler my trade secret, so I'm like, dude, I need Cooper cup, that's my dude, he's a monster. Kyler's like, yeah, yeah, he's really good. You know, just going along with me. We get to the pick. I'm two picks behind. Kyler looks at me. I'm going to have to take Cooper Cup, man. I'm like, bro, you literally, you didn't say anything right before this. And all of a sudden, you're taking my guy right before me. Um, So that one hurt, obviously. He also took some Vikings, took Delvin Cook. I mean, it was just rude. Um, it was a rude welcoming to the staff. Fantasy football. I'm coming back this year with a vengeance. Um, I'm still probably going to come in second to last, but I'm going to try much, much harder. And for those of you who were casual fantasy footballers like me, it doesn't cut it at Liberty. I mean, I have <laughs> to get, re- I have to start digging deep, man. I got to start doing my research now in order to have a chance. Um, but Kylie thank you for bringing that up. Uh, you definitely hurt my feelings that day. It's okay though. I've moved on. I totally
1: moved on. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a tough moment because he was on my cheat sheet, man. I just couldn't tell you. You know, I had him written down, and then when it came up. I'm like, "Sorry, man, I got to take Cooper Cup." And he was he was pretty solid for me. Figure yeah, Uh Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> We're gonna to go to the NFC East, and uh, of course, this one's personal. I don't be try to be unbiased as possible, but no doubt there will be a little bit of bias here. Uh, but I'll do my best here. No, first of all, I go to the Dallas Cowboys. Depends on who you talk to, whether they're America's most loved team or America's most hated team. Uh, But they are at least one of the two probably to any listener right now. And, um, of course, you start off, man, they shock everybody, and they go CeeDee Lamb uh, from Oklahoma. Um, uh, Basically, touchdowns went up from 11 to 14 from his junior senior year. Receptions only drop by three from 65 to 62. C. Lamb is the kind of guy that can uh, take the top off of defense so quickly. Um, an incredible down the field threat. Um, was very good at Oklahoma. Um, I, I'm, I'm not, I, I want to be careful when I say this because I don't want anybody to think that I'm downplaying how good C. Lamb can be. I believe C. Lamb can be a very good receiver in, in the NFL, and I believe he can be a very good weapon for Dak Prescott. The one thing I will say is when I watch CeeDee Lamb against better opponents, now whether this was Jalen Hurt's fault or whether this was simply CeeDee Lamb's inability to create space against better cornerbacks, there were times where he disappeared. Um, but when you're a kind of guy that can take a de- you know the top off a of defense so quickly with that 70 yard bomb, that 60 yard, you know, slant that you take the house on one move, um a playmaker sometimes can disappear, but then hit the big play. I think of a guy like an Amari Cooper almost, very similar comp to me, that he's not going to have, you know, 11 receptions. He's going to have maybe, you know, five for 75 in and in a touchdown. You know, but he's going to have his games where he has big numbers, and I understand that. Um, But I, I do think C. Lamb's a good pick. It was a very typical Jerry Jones pick. <laughs> um which, you know, has been good because, we know, goodness, he's drafted Zeke and Dak, so I can't, I can't say the man doesn't know how to draft. He's had some bad drafts as well. I mean, even Leighton Vanderesh was, you know, very, a pick there, but I was like, what in the world? And the guy, when healthy, is very good. Um, so C.E. land that first pick, and I think a lot of people forgot about the second pick, which is what I'm going to spend my time on. That's Trayvon Diggs um, from Alabama, cornerback. Uh, to me, uh, that's what made Dallas – have that great draft that everybody want to talk about was Trayvon Diggs. Um, And then Neville Gallimore um, had his highest sack total his senior year, four-year guy as well. Um, They went O-line and cornerback trying to fill out the rest of the draft. But I'm going to spend my time on Trayvon Diggs. I think he's a very good cornerback that will absolutely play at the next level um, that I believe when it's all said and done will be a big need in a spot that Dallas needed, which was a secondary. Um, So credit – to Jerry Jones for, yes, he went for best player available with wide receiver because they didn't technically really need a wide receiver. They needed some help more on, on, on the uh, offensive side of the ball, um, mainly offensive line, uh, replacing their recently retired, uh, probably Hall of Famer. Uh, but still, they go after a playmaker. I'm not going to ever say terrible pick, you got a playmaker. That's that's kind of, kind of uh, counterproductive. We're talking about football. So you need playmakers. But then they hit the need with Trayvon Diggs. So good draft by the Cowboys. I love that Trayvon Diggs pick, and I think he's going to be something special in Dallas, and Dallas fans are going to love having him. Philly, well, it's Philly, and um, anytime I talk about Philly, you just you just never know what's going to happen. Uh, when they win the Super Bowl, uh, they they burn stuff down, and then when they're terrible, they hate their team. So Philly is such a <laughs> unique case in so many ways. Um, but anyways, first of all, they go Jalen Rager out of TCU. Guy had 72 receptions. Put in comparison, they both played in the Big 12. Lamb had 62. Rager had 10 more at 72 from TCU. When the guy's healthy, um, that was his junior year when he had 72, by the way. So his senior year is a little bit injured. But um, so I, I think if you look at it realistically, his junior year he had 72. He was on pace to either hit that or probably go above that. Uh, I like Jalen Rager a lot. Um, I think he's going to be a good weapon for Carson Wentz if, if Wentz can stay healthy um but anyways rager i don't have a problem with that pick i, I don't see how you really can uh i don't think he's cd lamb uh but i still think a solid wide receiver um that will maybe i'm thinking maybe a little bit of a jamison crowder type maybe i don't know um i'm seeing you know when when crowder was good you know the six seven receptions uh, per game kind of thing uh then okay they just decided to shock everybody and go jalen hurts Yikes. um man i did not see that one coming Um, and I'm not going to steal your thunder with the Packers coming next, but I, I, I'm not, I like Jalen Hurts as a college football player. I love Jalen Hurts. Okay. And as a college football player, I love Tim Tebow, but that doesn't mean they both translate to the NFL. Um, I I just, I don't think Hurts is an NFL quarterback. I think it's kind of guy that can come in and run the wildcat. He can come into the goal line in some formations But that doesn't warrant your second pick, I don't think. Um, Jalen Hurts is a winner. I I have no – no one can doubt that. But I just don't see him that second pick. And I can go down the list of things. Jalen Hurts, great person. Don't think he warrants a second-round pick. Um, Jalen Hurts, phenomenal leader in the locker room. Don't think he warrants a second-round pick. So all that to say, I was a little bit – I'm sorry. there's, There's second pick, Sorry. All that to say, I, I, I just don't I, – I was a little bit shocked by that, and I think many many people were. Um, then they go Kayvon Wallace out of Clemson. I like that one as well. Um, anything from Clemson's defense normally turns out well for, for people. Um, they have a pretty rich history of defensive players, um, even the secondary as well. But Kayvon Wallace played safety. Kind of like a little bit of a hybrid, kind of like Isaiah Simmons. Um, not as big, obviously. Uh, but had two sacks, two interceptions, 47 tackles. Nothing wrong with that from the safety position. Um, Really does a good job patrolling that center field type of position there for Clemson. Um, I don't have any issue with that. Then went out with uh, Sean Bradley out of Temple and then John Hightower, which many people say is a poor man's version of a CD Lamb from Boise state, 51 receptions, eight touchdowns. Uh, I mean, I think it's going to be more of a depth guy. And then Sean Bradley from Temple had 61 tackles as a linebacker. Again, that's pretty solid. I think again, that's more depth for Philly. So, I know Philly made a lot of offseason acquisitions, so I'm not saying that they're not going to be good. What I am saying, though, is isn't a draft. Um, I think they could have used um, that second pick that they had in a way they could have got another need, but instead they went to a position that you may use Jalen Hurts. Max, I'm thinking four times a game, if that. So, to me, does that warrant that pick? I mean, if you're going to use them as a mobile quarterback, remember the Saints took Tommy Stevens in the seventh round. So – you see what I'm saying there. So I, I don't see the the, the reason for that. Then the Giants come in and uh, they give Daniel Jones protection with Andrew Thomas from Georgia. That guy is a great offensive lineman. Um, will be a staple. I think I believe in New York for a very long time. And Daniel Jones needs to be kept upright if he's going to be the answer in in New York. And I'm not convinced he is. But if he's going to be the answer, you got to keep him healthy. You got to keep him upright. Give him time to play football. And Andrew Thomas does that for sure. Um, of course, right after the Giants go with another Alabama um, DB which Xavier McKinney. Um, the guy had went from 74 tackles his junior year to 95 the next year, three sacks and three interceptions. So we know the guy can play. Again, Bama, as you mentioned earlier, turns out he's a, just an incredible product on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Alabama is known for their defense, and this guy was a staple of it for several years. So I, I can't say that's a bad pick. They went O-line from UConn. I actually forgot UConn had a football program, so shout out to them. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, I mean, then they they went a uh, couple other offensive line depth, some linebacker depth, um, but nothing really to really talk about more than just, I think, a lot of depth. But the thing, if you're going to talk about the Giants, I think goes for their first two picks, uh, Thomas and McKinney. Those guys will be starting from day one, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Then we go down to the Redskins, my boys down in D.C., and uh thankfully we didn't mess this up too much and we did what we supposed to we took chase young who is an absolute monster agreed and i don't know how anyone can look at what he accomplished at ohio state and be like oh yeah it's just not going to translate like what are you looking at i mean this guy is is a physical freak um his motor never stops he's only going to get better um, and by the way, in the NFL, you cannot double-team someone because normally the guy beside you can beat his man. Uh, so in the college level, what was happening at Ohio State, especially in the college playoff, you saw a lot of double-teams coming Chase Young's way, which is why he didn't have a ton of stats. Right. Um, in the NFL, they're not going to be able to do that, especially on the Washington Redskins. Um, we got Deron Payne, John Allen, Matt Ioannidis, Montez Sweat, Ryan Kerrigan, um, and now Chase Young. So I'm going to tell you something, Redskins nation, we may be struggling some areas. Um, but D line is not one of them. And if they try to double team Chase Young, that sets up our guys like Montez Sweat, sets up a guy like a Deron Payne and John Allen, a Matt Ioannidis, to get to the quarterback and, and create chaos. So Chase Young is set up for his first year uh, to to I think flourish. Um, he's under a great first year uh, first year head coach for the Redskins. At least Ron Rivera is a defensive guy. Jack Del Rio is his D coordinator. Two great defensive minds. I think it's a good situation for Chase Young, even from a non biased perspective. Um, I think he'll do very well in D.C. And D.C. needs a, a a face of the franchise right now. And I think Chase Young can be that guy on the defensive end. Um, And then they went Antonio Gibson from Memphis. He had 12 total touchdowns as a player, uh, receiving back, also running back. I think we're going to look at him more as a running back, actually, than more receiver. Um, Playmaker, I think incredibly underrated. Uh, For anyone to have 12 total touchdowns, uh, to me, that suggests he's a a Swiss Army. He's a utility kind of guy. That can be moved in different positions and then look at matchups and hopefully expose those matchups. Maybe got a guy lines up in the slot, a linebacker, got a lines up in the slot against a, a safety, got a guy coming out of the backfield that would, you know, in a two back set that could create a problem and in the screen game, things like that. Return game as well is very strong for Antonio Gibson. I really like that pick. Um, I'm not saying I liked every pick of the Redskins, I'm not going to say that, but I actually really like that pick. We went Sadiq Charles? Um, in theory, he's supposed to replace Trent Williams. And as I say that verbally, it just, no, that this doesn't happen, right? Yeah. Um, you don't replace Trent Williams. You can only hope to maybe get 50% of what Trent Williams meant to this franchise, and we messed that up as well. Uh, but we had to move on. He was not going to play for us, and I understand we we had to move on. Um, I think Sadiq Charles is maybe a couple years away from being something that we can really count on. i love to see him week one. I think he's going to compete for a starting spot because of the lack of talent on the offensive line. Um, maybe in a couple of years, he'll be someone that we can have some confidence in. I think there's a lot to be seen from him. Came from LSU, um, was obviously protecting Joe Burrow. So uh, we'll see. I, I, I'm, I've heard some – there's been some questions about his work ethic. Um, and there's some disciplinary issues as well. But Ron Rivera called Ed Orgeron, and Ed Orgeron gave him the, you know, the cookie monster, as he sounds like, you know, hey, you know, he's a great guy. You know, so that's, that's what you got from him. Uh, but I, I'm hoping he does a very good job on pulling for him. And I'll end with this. I'll give the last three here. Cameron Curl, Arkansas, I think is a special teams guy. Safety um, had had increases in sacks, interceptions, and tackles his senior year. Um, also with Kaliki Hudson, more of a special teams hybrid kind of guy, poor man's, very poor man's version of Isaiah Simmons. Um, Keith Ishmael, offensive line depth, uh, a very hard worker. I'm hoping, again, he give some depth to our offensive line, which he had none last year. Then they went James Smith-Williams, my guy from NC State in the seventh round. Um very outspoken um, against uh, um, basically um, in the uh, you know, speak out against uh, um, rapes on college campuses. And he was actually the he's the first sponsored player um, with that. I cannot remember the, the name of the organization, but he's a very outspoken part of that. And how, you know, make sure that we need to stop that, speak out about it. And credit to him for that to be the first player in the NFL to be sponsored by that organization. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but phenomenal organization. I'm glad for James S. Williams. Uh, he was, body was actually transformed at NC State thanks to D'Antonio Thunder and the strength and conditioning program at NC State and led to a pretty solid junior season. Had some injuries his senior season. Um, but I'm telling you something, this guy's going to make the team and he's going to contribute because he's going to be healthy. He's an incredibly hard worker. And without if he would not have been hurt his senior year, I think, he's look, I think we're looking at a fourth-round grade on him. I really believe that. So um, I'm really looking forward to seeing him in, in a Redskin uniform. And the last one I want to talk about is Antonio Gandy-Golden from Liberty University. And um, I know everybody thinks right away, oh, come on, Liberty University. I mean, they, they, they play in a smaller football division. They don't play in the SEC. They don't play in the Power Five. Okay, well, let, let's pause for a second here. Some of the best receivers that we have in National Football League right now came from smaller universities. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's not discredit that. But The thing I look at right away is he said he had um, double-digit touchdowns his junior and senior year and had two 1,000-yard receiving uh, uh, um, years back-to-back. Uh, so that speaks volumes to me about him. I think he actually will be a starter um, this year opposite of scary Terry McLaren um, on the outside. Uh, that's my official prediction for him. I think he starts uh, day one. Um, I think Kelvin Harmon. I love Kelvin Harmon, my guy from NC State as well. I think they're going to be battling for it, but right now I'm actually going to get the edge to Gandy Golden. Um, and I want Kelvin Harmon to start because I love Kelvin Harmon my favorite receiver ever to be at NC State. Uh But I'm very high. I'm very, very high on Gandy Golden. And I'm excited for both those guys to be there and hopefully, you know, push each other um, to give weapons for my guy, Dwayne Haskins, who just got – just give this guy a shot, and we'll see what happens. Just be patient. We'll see what happens. Actually, we're in rebuild mode, full rebuild. So my winners in the NFC East, ah, sadly, I got to go to Dallas. I'm at a good draft. And uh C. Liam I think, will be good at this level. Um, I think we'll see how good, but I think he'll be good. And then there, and Trayvon Diggs, in my opinion, is one of the best picks in the draft. Uh, losers, you know. Sorry, uh, but I gotta go to Philly, man. I can't get the whole Hurts situation, and I'm not, and I'm again. I'm, I, I like Kayvon Wallace, but uh, I just don't know if that's again. There's, there's some question about his size. So, anyways, I'm going Philly as the losers, Cowboys as the winners. Uh, I think Giants and Redskins were kind of neck and neck, fighting for that second spot. Um, so that's where I see the NFC East. I love it.
0: All right. So we're going NFC North last um, to start. I'm going to start with the Detroit Lions. Um, 3-12-1 last year. I mean, good. what is it like to be a Lions fan? Good Pretty,
1: pretty similar to a Redskins fan, sadly. <laughs> uh,
0: God bless the Lions. They're terrible. But I think they had a good draft. So their first pick, they went with Jeff Okuda, who I – I'm a huge fan of. Um, he's out of Ohio State, uh, and he had three picks his senior year or his junior year, excuse me. He played. He was there for three years, started all three. Um, he played all 13 games, uh, had 34 total tackles, um, one tackle for loss, uh, nine passes defended. I mean, he's just that guy. He's that lockdown corner that everybody wants. Uh, Not many teams have that, but Jeff Okuda is that, and I'm really impressed with him. Um, I think he's going to be great there. I just hope he doesn't get lost in the shuffle. Uh, They just traded Darius Slay and basically just slid Jeff Okuda into his spot. Um, Mm -hmm. So as opposed to being opposite another all-pro great corner, uh, it's just him. Obviously, the – I mean, obviously, the uh, the, – Lions tend to hustle backwards a little bit. Uh, nothing new there, but that's, that's what they did. Um, Jeff Okuda, great pick. Um, their next pick was DeAndre Swift, who Georgia just produced as running backs, man. That's just what they do. Um, DeAndre Swift had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons his sophomore and junior year, his last two years in college. Um, he had 10 touchdowns and then seven this last year. Um, explosive back, uh, 1,200 yards this year. Um, he, and the thing about Georgia is those guys all share a backfield. There's two to three sharing a backfield. Um, so I'm really impressed with that. And He comes from a line of running backs that have been successful, um, Todd Gurley, Nick Chubb. So I'm really – I think that is really going to help them too. They also have carrying on Johnson still coming off an injury. So I think they're going to have uh, a pretty good backfield back there for – Matthew Stafford going on to the third round. uh, They got an edge rusher, Julian, uh, a out of Notre Dame and then Jonah Jackson an offensive guard from Ohio state. So they're trying to help Matthew Stafford. Uh, The lions are always in this weird phase where they're like kind of rebuilding, but then they'll go eight and eight. So they feel like they have a chance and then they'll go four and 12. So then they're rebuilding again. They're kind of in this weird place um, for the last few years. Um, And then they went with wide receiver and running back, uh, Quintez Cephas out of Wisconsin. Can't trust anybody out of that school. And then Jason (laughs) Huntley from New Mexico State. So, um, again, the last two picks just trying to fill the roster. Um, I like what the Lions did. They obviously addressed the need, even though they just traded away that player um, and slay. I'm really excited for what they have uh, going on over there. And by excited, I mean, I'm excited that they're going to keep losing. Um, <laughs> the Chicago Bears are next. I mean, the Bears, dude. I mean, what can what can you really say about the Bears? Mitchell Trubisky is horrible. Um, I, I just can't sugarcoat it anymore. Dude's terrible. Uh, worst QBR in um, the NFC North. I know they played two or three games, but. He's not good. I think Nick Foles is actually going to win that job. Um, that's neither here nor there. But,
1: I mean, let's, let's be honest, Amon, you could go compete for it right now and probably win that job. I mean, so. I kind
0: of got a cannon too, bro. So
1: I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, and honestly, right now you could literally skip the Bears in this, pre, in this draft review and not miss anything. Um, like, that's the super sad, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs>
0: uh, wow. It's the battle of backup quarterbacks. I mean, how many can say that? Um, So, uh, I mean, the Bears, they're already kind of, I'll be honest, I feel like they're going to be rebuilding. Um, I know they're not trying to, um, and and I don't blame them for that, but I feel like that's where they're going. Their first draft, their first pick, they drafted Cole Met, a tight end out of Notre Dame um, in the second round. I I mean, if you're the Bears – and you don't have a ton on the outside. Uh, defensively, you got Mac, and I think their defense still can be solid, Kyle Fuller. I, I mean, you got to give whoever the quarterback is some weapons. And the first pick they went was Met. I, I just can't really believe that that was the best pick. Now, his last year, his junior year, he had 43 catches for 515 yards and six touchdowns. So not a not a bad player. Um, I, I just I don't believe that's the game changer they needed. Uh, their next pick in the second round they went with Jalen Johnson, at a Utah cornerback. Um, had four picks his sophomore year, two picks his junior year, um, eleven passes defended. I, I mean. The Pac-12, your numbers are going <laughs> to, as a cornerback, you're either going to look terrible or look good. So um, I, I don't know with him. Uh, and then their last few picks, edge rusher, cornerback, mm-hmm. and then they finally go wide receiver on the outside. So um, I, I don't love what the Bears did. I can't trust them. Uh, their first pick really bothers me. I don't really know why they did that, uh, especially because um, – they just signed Jimmy Graham, who's terrible at this point. <laughs> so, like, what do you? Why are you? You you ju- your biggest free agency pickup outside of Nick Foles was Jimmy Graham, and then the first thing you do is draft another tight end.
1: Like, I, I just in, in a very weak tight end class. Too, yeah, I, just, so, I
0: am not yeah. really sure what they're going for here. Um, so I I don't I don't know what they're doing. Um, Alex, I'm sorry, they're not good. I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but Mitch Trubisky's trash, and so is Nick Foles, so it is what it is. Um, I really do like Tariq Cohen, though, Um, and I like Jordan Howard. I wish they uh, were able to use them a little bit better, but they won't. Next, we get to the Packers. Oh, the Packers. Their first pick, Jordan Love. Now, Didn't they just sign Aaron Rodgers last summer to a five-year extension?
1: Yeah, this is perplexing right here.
0: And then their first-round pick is Jordan Love. Now, Jordan Love's sophomore year, he threw 32 touchdowns, six picks, 64% completion percentage, and threw for uh, 3,500 yards. That is a great year. His next year, his junior year, he went on a Jameis Winston and threw twenty touchdowns and seventeen picks. <laughs> I mean, that's just the classic Jameis Winston right there. Uh, Sixty-one point nine completion percentage, thirty-four hundred yards, um, and he's not—he's playing in the Mountain West. I mean, he's not playing great competition. Um, and, and if it just ended at that thirty-two touchdowns and six picks, I'd say, all right, let's give the guy a chance. Uh, we, we obviously see that potential. Um, maybe you want to sit him down for a couple of years as the Packers do. Uh, all right. I'll go with that. But 20 touchdowns and 17 picks. And that's your first round pick. To me, that is not justifiable. You cannot justify that. Now, Jordan Love could be awesome in a couple of years. I don't know. But is he ever going to get to play <laughs> while Aaron Rodgers just signed, signed a contract extension? I'm not convinced that he will. So, I mean, are you really going to let a dude sit for four years that you drafted in the first round? I just don't understand the long play here. Uh, if they drafted a quarterback two years away from uh, Rogers' contract being up, that's one thing. He'll be in his 40s by then. I can understand that. But Jordan Love at this point right now, I believe he was a terrible first-round choice, Um, and I'm not going to back away from that. Their next pick, A.J. Dillon out of Boston College. Um, If you follow college football at all, you know who A.J. Dillon is. In his three years at Boston College, 15, uh, or or almost 1,600 yards, 1,100 yards, and then almost 1,700 yards, 14 touchdowns, 10 touchdowns, 14 touchdowns. (laughs) I mean, dude was just an absolute monster at Boston College. He's the only reason I still knew Boston College had a football team because the last time I heard of them was when they had Matty Ice, and that was like a good 10 years ago. Um, So A.J. Dillon, absolute monster. The thing about A.J. Dillon, doesn't catch out of the backfield. In his two years, in his three years, he had 21 catches for 236 yards. I mean, he's just – he's a one – He's a, a single-minded back. You give it to him, and he'll get you some yards. Um, he, he's a – I believe he's a, a, a red zone threat. Um, and I think with the running back they have now, his name just slipped my mind. Uh, uh, Aaron, Jones. And, yeah, Aaron Jones. Yeah, Aaron um, Jones, who you also had in fantasy, I believe. I
1: did. I did. Right. Uh,
0: <laughs> him and A.J. Dillon, I think that's a pretty good two-headed monster. Um, I think that'll take a little bit off of Jones. He's a, obviously a, a catching back as well. He can do a little bit more there. Um, and then they went with a, a tight end, Josiah De, DeGuara at a Cincinnati. Um, he was in college for five years. Uh, I believe he had two red shirts. Um, and from his stats, uh, 39 catches his senior year, um, 500 yards, seven touchdowns. Seems like he's an offensive threat. Um, and obviously, you know, Rodgers needs help. Then they go linebacker, line, 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 cornerback, <laughs> and edge rusher. I mean, they didn't even try to get this dude any help. Um, uh, obviously, they have their man on the outside. Uh, what is... Why am I forgetting everybody's name?
1: <laughs> D- yeah. Who you
0: also had in fantasy.
1: I had in fantasy. <laughs> um,
0: I don't know why I remember your fantasy team better than mine. I guess I'm a little bit better. Um, (laughs) And he's an absolute monster. Uh, I believe he's actually underrated in the league right now. Yes, Um, yes. But he, him, and Rodgers have that good connection, obviously. After that, I could not tell you who another wide receiver is on their roster. Uh, I know they got a guy who has a a really long name, Valdez something. (laughs)
1: Scantley, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's actually a former nc state guy that transferred out of the program so okay. yeah
0: well look at that uh, yeah. but that just goes to show can you get the guy somebody to pass to i mean can you yeah. just can you just find the guy somebody to pass to um so i understand aaron Rodgers' frustration in that he was upset that they drafted jordan love because he's thinking you know i just signed an extension and y'all still not trying to help me That is just a straight-up disaster over there, and I'm glad Mm because I I don't think they're going to win the division this year. And lastly, we come to the greatest football team of all time, the Minnesota Vikings. (sighs) i got to say, Kyler, going into this draft, I was in fandom free agency. I mean, I was ready to leave. I had my bags packed. Uh, I was ready to leave the Vikings because this offseason... We just decided we didn't want a defense. Mm -hmm. Three of our top four corners, gone. Two defensive linemen, gone. Linebacker, gone. Uh, We had our two all-pro safeties, but, I mean, it was just eviscerating, man. And then on top of that, we're like, "Mm, Stefan Diggs, nah. (laughs) Um, So... (laughs) I feel like, understandably, I was ready to dip, bro. I mean, like, you guys were really hurting me. Uh, Zimmer, help me out. But this draft helped restore a little bit of my faith back in the Vikings. Our first pick, we took Justin Jefferson out of LSU. Um, Baller. And dude is just a straight baller, man. I mean, he went three years, obviously, at LSU. His freshman year, he barely played. But the last two years, he had 54 catches, for 875 and then this last year his junior year 111 catches for 1540 bro i mean he just went absolutely bananas 18 touchdowns so i mean we're just and i feel like he actually fell a little bit to twenty two. i thought he was one of the top two receivers in this draft class um and i know everybody loved i thought it was judy him Mm-hmm. And then after that CD lamb, but, um, I'm really excited that we got him because he steps right back into that Stefan Diggs role, um, of a speedster with great feet and we can go right back to what we did offensively. Kirk had one of his best years last year. I have no faith in him, but if he can be that way again, this year, um, uh, with Dalvin cook, who we're not going to pay, and I'm going to be upset again next year. Um, but if we, can, if we can kind of keep that momentum going with Cook, Cousins, Jefferson, and Thielen, a little bit of Kyle Rudolph sprinkled in there, I still think we have a good enough offense to make the playoffs. Our next pick went with Jeff Gladney, cornerback at a TCU. That was a reach, I'm not going to lie. Um, I, obviously, we needed a cornerback. Our only cornerback was Mike Hughes coming back um and i believe uh he he was from uh, central michigan i think or central central florida
1: florida. Know, central florida yep um actually uh he's an nc state decommit. so really? yeah yeah well
0: you weren't missing out on much cuz my dude was getting murdered last year
1: <sighs> yeah
0: he, every highlight i watch he is getting scored on bro he was just getting scorched um yeah. but i think he's another year older last year he was a rookie another year older another year wiser I was reading a column and it said uh, the Vikings are coming back with veteran Mike Hughes. I'm like, he's in a second year. (laughs) (laughs) What are you guys talking about? Um, But I really do like Mike Hughes. Um, I I think he actually has the potential to be a number one quarterback. I just cornerback. I think he just needed more time. He doesn't get it. Um, So they go with Jeff Gladney, who uh, a longer, taller cornerback. I think he's going to fit right in. He's going to have to start. I mean, he doesn't really have a choice. Um, then we went Ezra Cleveland, offensive tackle out of Boise State. And our line is not terrible, but it's also not good. Um, Dalvin Cook, I mean, he's just a magician back there. Um, but bolstering our line is always positive. Then we went with another corner, which I was pleased with, Cameron Dansler out of Mississippi State.
1: Um, I like him a lot. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm really, I really like that pick. Um, again, just gives us those three corners that we needed again that we just lost. Um, now we can go into a nickel package field. Maybe not comfortable, but we can work into that. Um, fourth round, we drafted an edge rusher, edge rusher, and linebacker. Um, and Troy Dyad, at Oregon, um, I don't really trust Pac-12 linebackers. Um, traditionally, to me, I, I just accept the ones from USC in the early 2000s. They're fast not great tacklers. Um and then in the 5th round we went another cornerback which I was pleased with, Harrison Hand out of Temple. Um and then KJ Osborne, wide receiver out of Miami, uh the 5th round as well. I like that. And then the rest of the time just kind of filling roster spots, uh offensive linemen, safety and I I believe we have the best safeties, the best safety tandem. I believe we have the best in the game. Um and then uh, just edge rusher, quarterback, safety, and offensive lineman. So um, I think we had a good draft, man. I, even on draft night, I just felt really the draft nights. I felt really good about it um, because I knew we had just given up so much. Um, how are we gonna, you know, stay competitive? And I, and it helps our division is just absolute garbage most of the time um, with having both the the. 2000s bears uh, and and onward <laughs> and uh the lions who just will never be good uh, it's really just us and the packers in the last five years the vikings and the packers have won four of the last five with the bears winning one on accident so um i'm really impressed with our draft i thought we did a great job uh would i like to keep some of those guys yes um, but I understand why we didn't cap space and such. So I think we had a really good draft. Um, my worst draft has to be the Packers. I mean, it, it goes, it doesn't go without saying, cause I said it a lot, but like, what are you guys doing? Um, and then my best draft has to go to the Vikings. we filled positional needs um, early and often had a lot of picks, um, a lot of guys who can make the team. Um, and I think ultimately we are going to be better um and you know if we could just ever stop resigning kurt cousins we're going somewhere so (laughs) uh that's my that's my recap of fc north um so this is this has been our draft segment it's super long but i think you guys will enjoy it um and uh i I think this next segment you'll enjoy as well All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Coach and K Dot Podcast. With me right now, I have Scott Medlin of the Duke Football Podcasts, Section Seventeen, um, or Duke Football Talk, Section Seventeen Podcast. Um, my guy Scott is here. He's going We're gonna talk some NBA return. All right. I know everybody's excited for July thirtieth. We moved it up one day. Um, and I know everybody's excited to get back into hoops. I mean, I've been waiting for the playoffs. I wasn't sure they were going to happen. I was scared. Um, but through all these events and COVID starting to lighten up a little bit, I'm really excited to see the playoffs. I want to see the Lake show win another championship uh, because we know that's what's going to happen. Happen, Scott, how do you feel?
2: Well, I appreciate you having me on, man. I, no I really job. do appreciate you guys. Uh, enjoy the podcast. Uh I'm looking forward to the NBA playoffs and to me this time of year when the playoffs begin, it's, it's almost like Christmas. Yep. To, I mean, I'm a huge basketball fan, just like you. Um, I'm interested to see what happens with all the, the, the 22 teams that they're going to invite
1: mm-hmm.
2: back to play. Uh, personally, I would love to see new Orleans and the Lakers in the first round. Mm -hmm. I don't think the Pelicans have a prayer, but I think it would be fun (laughs) to watch.
0: I agree. I totally agree. And
2: I mean, you know me, I'm a huge Zion fan. I love Zion Williamson and I, I love the chemistry of that team and I give them them two or three years. They're going to be in the mix, I think in the West.
0: Right. Right. I agree. I agree. So so let's go through, let's go through the Western conference. um, The teams that are in that, and then we'll go through the East. So, the Lakers are the one, Clippers are two, Nuggets are three, Jazz are four. Um, and I would say those top three are pretty much set. I don't think those ones are going to move really at all. Um, the Thunder are five, Rockets six, Mavs seven, Grizz eight. I think those ones are going to move a ton. And then you got the Blazers at nine, uh, Pelicans 10, Kings 11, Spurs 12, and Suns 13. And for those of you who don't know, um, how they decided this it was the teams that were the, that were within six games of the last place seed and so the west had um, all of those teams nine through 13 the sun's being six games back um, Scott do you see any uh, any mix up um, obviously I said I don't see any one through three and I think four through eight is going to get mixed up um, and then I think the trailblazers have a chance uh, 10 through 13 I don't see doing much maybe a little bit of spoiling action what are, what are you thinking
2: um, looking at the top three, I agree with you. Um, I don't see a lot happening there. Uh, the Trailblazers, to me, though, I think could be the team to make a run. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're healthy, they are very good. Uh, Dame Dame, and McCollum are just great together. They feed off each other so well. I agree. Um, looking at the other teams, I mean – I kind of would love to see Memphis make a run. Okay. But I, I kind of like the youth movement. I love seeing, you know, I like the rookie the rookie class this year, obviously. Right. But I would love to see John Morant do well. Um And then looking, let's see, looking at the other teams, Phoenix to me is still young. Right. I don't think they have a prayer. I really think they'll be one of the teams to get eliminated early. But right. I enjoy watching Booker. And those younger guys that they have.
0: I agree. I totally agree.
2: But I really don't think anything's going to happen other than the top top three or four, uh, even uh, even no matter how the playoffs go. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. I agree. I totally agree. Um, I think some of the mix-ups I might see, I think the Rockets can move up to that four spot uh, pretty quickly. They're only one game behind the Jazz. Um, And James Harden, it doesn't take much, you know what I mean? Um, right. Give James Harden the rock and just see what he can do. Eight games. I mean, he could go on a forty-game point sh- streak for eight games. I know they're playing small ball. I know it's dangerous. I think in this short type of seating time, I think this is where the Rockets actually uh, get a chance to move up. And the Jazz lost Bogdanovich for the rest of the season. He had a wrist surgery, so he's out. That's a huge blow. So I think the Rockets actually jump the Thunder and switch places with the Jazz in that four and six.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Um, if Harden gets hot, they're they are tough to beat. And I'm I'm kind of interested to see. And I don't know if they've announced this part yet. The who would play who in the last regular season games? Right. I have a presumed schedule in okay. front of me. It's not set,
0: but this is um, experts who are not me. This is their best guess. So. Okay. The last games would be as follows for the West. The Mavericks would pick, play the Bucks, The Nuggets would play the Thunder. The Rockets would play the Raptors. The Clippers would play the Thunder, obviously. The Lakers would play the Heat or Magic, and that's a little tricky because everybody's played a different amount of games. Um, the Grizzlies would play the Celtics. The Pelicans would play the Magic. Uh, the Suns would play the Thunder, Blazers. Peter Magic. Um, the Kings would play the Spurs. Spurs would play the 76ers. Um, the Jazz would play the Mavericks. And that's what we got for the West.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The Celtics Grizzlies there. Yeah. Sounds like that would be a good game, Good series. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so,
0: I think you're, I think you, from what you said, your dark horse pick is the Blazers. Um I'm actually, because we got the Blazers, Pelicans, and Kings all tied at 21 and a half, three and a half games behind the Grizz. I'm going to take the Kings to sneak in that eight. Um, probably not a popular choice. I've, I really like the Kings. I've been in the Kings bandwagon for two, three years, waiting for them to be good. Last year, uh, they showed so much promise, barely missed the playoffs. I think they were, missed it by a game and a half or so. Um, I really like De'Aaron Fox. Um, I think he just has that motor that does not stop. Um, I think he's a great leader. Um, I really like um, Buddy Heal. He's one of my favorite shooters. I think that team is just really well uh, made. A uh, little Harrison Barnes in there, a little Bogdanovich in there. Um, they're really waiting on Marvin Bagley to finally be healthy, and I think he will be because of this time. And that's another big thing um that we can talk about is people getting healthy again. When we get to the east, I mean, how do you beat the 76ers is still my question, but we'll get to that in a second. But uh I'm picking the Kings to be that dark horse team coming out of the west.
2: Yeah, the the Kings, you're right, um with the with the guys they have. And if Bagley and I obviously college and pros are different, but if Bagley could play anywhere close to the way he played the season he played at Duke in the NBA, he's going to have a great career.
0: I agree. I totally agree.
2: But he's been, he's not been healthy the whole time he's been in the pros. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And I hope he doesn't turn into one of those careers that just kind of tails off, you know, and it's just one of those woulda, coulda, shoulda. He never got healthy, but he had all the physical skills, um, all the tools to be able to be great and just couldn't put it together. Um, I think if he can, if he can be healthy for a season and really start to put his game together, like I, I think we all expect him to, and the Kings get one more piece, I, I really think they're going to be in the mix consistently. Um, but, yeah, like you said, the Suns, I love watching the Suns. Booker's one of my favorite players. Uh, the Pelicans, I don't know, man. I, I don't believe in them, but I want to. You know, it's one of those, like, I, I don't believe in them, but I really want to. Um, I love Zion. Every Who doesn't? I haven't met someone who doesn't. Um, he's just so fun to watch. And I've been really impressed about how this game is translated to the NBA. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Um, I mean, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed watching him play. And obviously, I'm a homer. I'm a yep. Duke fan. I love Duke. And it helps the Pelicans basically have five Duke players on their roster. Yep, Duke South. And and their GM is a former Duke. Okay. But neither here nor there. Um, to be honest, I was, all, I was wondering when they drafted him, would him and Ball work together? Uh-huh. And those two guys look like they're going to be a very, gr- very good tandem for many, many years. I agree. Um, they've they've got they're obviously they're, they've got some older guys that you know here and there favors to me. He he plays he plays old at times, but he also gets in there and fights and just loose balls and rebounds. and right. Basically, he can make that room when Zion needs to get that lob. Yeah. But I would love to see them do well, just obviously for the Duke thing, but I, I'd like to see J.J. Reddick make the playoffs with this thing.
0: I totally agree. I don't want a streak to be snapped. Um, right. I think for the Pelicans, the one thing, and I don't know how Brandon Ingram was doing, but from what I saw, um, I didn't look it up, but from what I saw, he kind of seemed to be struggling at first when Zion came back. But then those last three to five games, he was starting to get his all-star numbers back with Zion. Um, and although they weren't always translating to wins, you could definitely see that young core turning into something great in two, three years. Um, so I'm really excited to see how they go. Let's move over to the East. Um, the number one, we have the Bucks. two Raptors, which is really surprising every time I read it. Celtics as three, Heat as four. Pacers at five, Sixers at six, Nets at seven, Magic at eight, and the Wizards at nine. And again, it was only the teams that were within six games of the last spot, um, and the Wizards are five and a half back of the Magic at 24 and 40. Yikes. Um, So let's kind of run through the East real quick, Scott, and kind of see what we got here. Again, I don't see the top three changing, um, especially with Pascal Siakam getting time to be healthy again. I think that's a game changer for the Raptors. Um, so, what, what are you what are you seeing in the East?
2: Well, uh, I agree with you again on there. The, definitely, the top three are they seem like they're going to be there to stay. Um, you know, I, like you mentioned earlier, the help health, a healthy 76ers team can move up easily yeah. to yeah. four. I agree, maybe even to to be honest with you to three. Yeah. I mean, they're only what four games back of the Celtics.
0: Uh, Yeah. Four and a half.
2: So I mean, that's possible, but they, they have a good nucleus. I just, when they get into crunch time though, that's, that's the one thing that bothers me about them. Yeah. I don't know if they're ready for the big, the bright lights. Mm -hmm. That's totally fair. Um,
0: I really enjoy
2: Simmons and Embiid. I thought they were
0: going to come out of the East last year. um, And I thought they were going to come out of the East this year. The thing with them, like you said, is when it comes down to it, who gets the ball at the end? Ben Simmons can't shoot. um, And Joel Embiid, as much as I like him, and he is probably the most similar to what I felt like I played like, when you give him the ball at the end of the game, is he going to make the right choice? And at this point, we don't know. And until we know, it's going to be hard for anybody to pick them. Like you said, though, I think they can move up a couple spots. They're two behind the Heat, which are fourth. Um, And I like the Heat. I like Bam. I like Jimmy. Um, I really like Duncan Robinson. I liked him when he was at Michigan, too. I like Tyler Hero. Um, I think they're about one piece away. Iguodala is not the piece. Uh, They're about one piece away from from being real contenders there. Uh, The Pacers, always consistent. Oladipo coming back healthy. But he hasn't played, and that's kind of my concern. Um, he's healthy, but he hasn't played, so he's still going to be—he's still going to need another year, I think, before he feels comfortable again. Obviously, the Nets don't have KD or Kyrie; they're a non-factor. And the Magic are what they are, so we're really kind at the top three, I guess, coming out of the East. Um, and the Seventy Sixers, like I said, I, I think they—they—I want to believe in them so much. I love—I love playing with them on Two K, um, but they are just not always they're not consistent. They're incredibly inconsistent and that's really their biggest downfall. Um who are, who are you picking out of the East, Scott?
2: If if I had to pick right now, I would I would have to say Milwaukee. Yeah. Um Toronto though. I you know, like you said a minute ago looking at where they're at, they have a shot. They yeah. have a they have a very good nucleus. Siakam, I you know, I play fantasy basketball like most everybody else. I had him last year. The guy was unbelievable. Right. And then you know Kawhi. They just I they I don't think they're well. I won't say I don't think they're. They may have a shot of getting the bucks, just because they have a little more um, seniority. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I I just if, when Giannis gets going. The freak when he starts freaking, he's the freak, and it's hard to stop.
0: Yeah, I agree. Who can stop Giannis in in a seven game series? The only person we've seen do that is Kawhi, and he's now in the Clippers. So in the East, you know who do you stick on him from the Raptors? You put Siakam on him. That's fine, but Giannis is a lot bigger physically than Siakam. um You know, from the Celtics, I don't know who you try to find Tatum. I guess I have no idea brown at times um you know you go on down the line the heat they put bam on him that's fine um but he's quicker i think than bam and bam is real quick for a big guy i think that's actually the hardest matchup in the east for Giannis is playing the heat because i think bam can can score up with him the best um the pacers miles turner that's not going to work the sixers switch off between Embiid. um that game was it was it christmas uh I think it was Christmas the Sixers played the Bucks, and the Sixers just annihilated them. and Embiid had the best game of this, his season. Giannis had the worst. Um, I don't know. I, I, think we could rec- I think we could see that recreated in one game, but definitely not over the course of seven. Uh, and, again, the Nets and Magic. So um, I agree with you. I think the Bucks are coming out of the East. Shout out to the Wizards. I love Bradley Beal, but they are going to do nothing. Um, who do you have coming out of the West?
2: This one's a little bit tougher. It is tough. Um, I think in a lot of a lot of situations, the matchups the, during the getting to the playoffs, getting to the that bracket, right? Honestly, and you know, I don't know if I, I'll regret saying this later. I don't know if anybody can beat the Lakers at the end of the day in the West. That's true. I mean, I'm I'm not a Lakers fan. I know you are. I'm not a Lakers fan per se. But they have – that's just the best Lakers team I think they've had since Kobe and Shaq were together. Okay. Wow. As far as, you know, yeah. LeBron is LeBron. AD has been playing great. I just – I don't know. You know, I could be wrong, obviously. But I just, I'm not sure if anybody in the West can get them, especially in seven games because LeBron – especially after all this rest, LeBron's yeah, going to be LeBron. Yep,
0: yeah, I totally agree. Um, I have the Lakers too, obviously, um, because I'm a fan, but also because I think they've been – the Bucks have the best record. I think the Lakers have been the best team. Um, I think once – because I, I remember watching the first game of the season against the Clippers, and LeBron was not shooting. All he was doing was deferring to AD. Pass, pass, post up, post up. And I think from there till when the season ended, they developed such a chemistry between in their pick and roll. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I, I would imagine their pick and roll numbers are top three in the NBA as far as efficiency. Because um, who do you guard in that? You, you sag off LeBron, he's hitting threes at probably the highest rate in his career. Um, you double AD on the pick and roll, then he kicks it out to – Uh, Danny Green or Caruso or KCP. I mean, their team is just constructed, albeit around LeBron and AD, but their team is constructed with the right players to help them succeed and help them be at their maximum value. The thing with the Clippers that I'm worried about, Scott, is they're all healthy now, too. And when Kawhi and Paul George are healthy on the same team, that scares me. I'm not going to lie. What do you think?
2: Um, I'm with you. Um, and, fort- and unfortunately they have been playing like the little brother role for years and they actually have the mentality. Now I think that they, I think they could get over that hump against the Lakers though. If it came down to a seven game series, I just don't know if they have enough right now. Would I watch it? Of course. 'Cause that would be unbelievable. That would yeah, be a very good. fun series to watch. But I just don't think that I think they're a piece or two away. Okay. I think they're on the right track. I just think they need a, a young player or two. And they they're a step away there Okay.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, those are our picks in the east and west. Um, Scott, do you have any do you have any final remarks? Um, let's let's kind of talk about Uh, not the scheduling, but let's talk about what we, do you anticipate anything um, imposing during this time or uh, maybe something that can cut off the legs of the NBA um, starting back again, even though we know we're we're getting there on the right track, it's been agreed to, but do you have any uh, worries or or frustrations about the league coming back?
2: I'm still, I, I guess we're still, what, five, six weeks out? Yeah. I'm still worried about the the testing, obviously because you know the colleges right now have invited kids back on campus. Right, and we're hearing daily of three three sets of players here, three sets of players there. Um, this afternoon, actually, Houston's football team canceled their workouts because they had five players test positive. Goodness. So that's the thing that scares me, and I thought I read in an article today, and you know, I should fact check before I say this, that everybody was going to have testing done in Orlando at yep. at the Disney place, but the folks that work for Disney, hmm. I, I I if I think I'm right about that, I think that's what I read in an article today, that bothers me, yeah, because. Everybody needs to be tested. I agree. I don't care who you are, but you know, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I read that wrong, but I believe that I'm right about that. And that does—that's my biggest concern. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, The the timeline that I read, um, and I'll pull it up right now. The timeline that I read um, gave some time in between. Um, getting to Orlando and the beginning of the season. So everybody can be tested and retested, all of that. Um, so what I have in front of me is June 22nd, they're starting testing. June 30th is when they're going to start training camp, give the guys a month to get ready. Um, June July 7th is when the teams will all travel to Orlando. Um, and then they'll start obviously on July 30th. So they'll have about a month and a month and a week, uh, about five weeks before um, from the testing to the beginning of the season, something I've read that um, ha- has troubled me is, uh, and, and it's understandable. It's nothing against them. The play, some of the players are worried about being in, in such a small bubble, and they're worried that if one person gets it, it's going to spread so quickly, you know. And they're inviting their families. Some of them are. The NBA said they're allowed to bring their families, um, and so I know some guys are going to be, you know, worried to go and even bring their family if you know there's a chance that there could be an outbreak and albeit it would be controlled but it's nonetheless an outbreak you know what i mean and so some guys have been really worried about that that i've seen um and that's the one thing that um i'm worried about i'm worried about players backing out at the last second um going obviously you know part of their contract blah 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 but they're going and and i think their contract actually gives them a, a stipulation which they don't have to and Adam Silver actually came out and said, if they don't want to go, they don't have to, but um, going and then being in a place and then backing out last second, or like you said, if someone does get a positive test, then where do we go? That's been the one thing we have not heard from the NBA on. And that's really the, one of the big, that's the biggest thing we need to address. And I think as a league is if someone gets, um, if someone gets sick, what is the protocol from there? because that's when the other teams and other players are going to, uh, they're going to get a little antsy, um, understandably, and they're going to worry about their families, who are they're bringing and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of my biggest concern um, about the league returning.
2: That, that is, you, you're right. Uh, the, definitely the, the out clause, per se, where the guys don't have to show up if they don't want to. Because um, I know before, we even got to that point. I know like Dame Lillard said that if they weren't going to be in the playoffs, he had no intentions on playing, but now they are in the playoffs and he changed his mind. So that, that would be another concerning thing for me as far as who is going to play. Right. I mean, obviously we, I think we'd watch it no matter who was playing, but we would love to see all the stars play.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I totally agree. I totally agree. Well, Scott, thank you for coming on uh, with Coach and Dot. man. Thank you for interacting with our Instagram um, and, and getting your name in the hat and then uh, being chosen for this week's guest. Um, again, this is Scott Medlin. Um, he is from the Duke's Football Podcast, Section 17. Um, Scott, tell us a little bit about your pod.
2: Uh, four, we started it, uh, four guys that we've had season tickets for, uh, many years where we've been friends for many years, uh, but we, we sit in section 17. We always joked about starting, uh, starting a podcast and we do kind of have a running commentary during the games that if people sit around us, they kind of laugh and joke with us and enjoy it. So now we've taken it to the point where we're recording it and so far, so good. Uh, definitely, definitely. Duke football has obviously not been on the map for many, many years. Uh, since Cutcliffe came back 12 years ago, Duke football is now back on the path, and so we're we're going along with that. We're enjoying it. Um, definitely, some different things in doing. Obviously, with you doing this podcast, the research side of it. There's many things I didn't know. Uh-huh. Uh, many Duke facts I didn't know. So. It was a learning experience also for me, for me so far, but uh, we're looking forward, hopefully, hoping when football starts this season, the four of us are hoping to be back in our section, having a good time, enjoying Duke football this season. Yes, sir. All right, Scott, thank you for coming
0: on, man. I appreciate you. Um, And everybody be sure to go check out that Duke football podcast. I'll have it in the description. Um, Go see what it's about. I've listened to it. I'm not super into Duke football, but it was informative. It helped me. Um, And so, being in North Carolina, obviously, uh, whether I like it or not, I kind of got to be a part of it. So, uh, thank you, Scott, again for coming on, man. I really appreciate you. Uh, Thank you for your insight. Thank you for taking time to talk to us um, or talk to me. (laughs) And uh, I'll talk to you soon.
2: All right. Thank you, man. Appreciate it.
0: All right, welcome back to Coach and K-Dot. We're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to talk about uh, some some baseball cards. Kyler uh, has really introduced me to this world, although I don't really participate in it. But I find it really interesting. Um, I think this is something that everybody at some point or another kind of grows up doing um, and and doesn't take it seriously. But uh, Kyler, I think, has kind of shown me the next level of this. Um, And I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Kyler, take it away.
1: Yeah. So um, I, of course, grew up uh, collecting baseball cards, football cards, basketball cards, like many uh, fellow sports lovers. Um, Something about having that piece of cardboard, right? That whether it be a chrome or just a base, you know, card from a tops or upper deck or whatever it may be, uh, you just love it. Um, Actually, my dad and my grandfather actually owned a sports card store in Durham called Major League Memories. Uh, from the late 80s to early 90s so it's in my blood and it, it's thick so I grew up collecting and then stepped away for a while and then recently just jumped back in and basically want to introduce it back if you don't know about it it has absolutely blown up in the past really year to two years and the reasoning is is because it's starting to become actually type of investment now, obviously, I have no dog in this fight. I'm not a tops representative. I'm not part of their company. I'm simply someone from the outside looking in. I'm telling you, folks, if you do it the right way, there actually is, is money to be made here. And also, it's fun because it's also a hobby. Um, so I kind of like to hit the basics and maybe make this a two-part segment. Um, so basically, what you have here is you have different sports. So you obviously have baseball, uh, basketball, and football, right? Those are your three big ones. And there's three major companies. Um, that really deal with sports cars. You have um, Panini, then you have Tops, and you have Upper Deck. Okay, um, so those are your three big ones. Now, baseball is basically operated by just Tops. There is a product called Donruss out there that's run by Panini, but because Tops has the rights, um, any kind of uh, logo or anything like that is actually airbrushed off the car, so it doesn't have the same effect as if a Tops car does. Um, then basketball deals with Panini, the, the prisms, the optics that you see maybe at Walmart and some of those packs. that Everybody has those Zion cards now, the rookies. Um, that's that's uh, for basketball and the football similar. So anyways, when you look at baseball cards, basketball cards, football cards, et cetera, there's actually some value there. Um, and the reason that value has increased is it's something we call the grading system. And basically what happens is you'll send – your card. Let's say you get a rookie card of a Zion Williamson or a rookie card of a Ronald Acuna or Fernando Tatis. If for baseball, you know, recently a Bo Bichette, um, you know, or for football coming up a Joe Burrow and Chase Young, a guy that's a really high tier rookie player, you can actually send this card into either PSA or uh, Beckett Grading Service BGS, and uh, it's about usually ten dollars or so to send them off. At that point, they're going to grade your card, okay, and grade it on several levels. Number one, like its corners, how perfect it is. Number two, it's edges, how perfect they are, the centering of the card, and then the surface of the card. So those four things are what they're looking at, and it's on a 10-point grading scale. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. When you get a 10, your card instantly goes up in value because the population, because there's not many 10s out there, so it sets your card apart in a rarity. Uh, value comes with rarity. It comes with scarcity, so that's why you look for 10s. Now, you say, well, what, what's the chance of me pulling one of those out of the pack? truthfully not very good so what you want to do is actually go to a site like an ebay and already look for a psa 10 or a bgs 9.5 or bgs 10 and actually invest into that player with a psa 10 card of their rookie card now this takes research this takes some time for you to figure out which card is the best one to buy and why Uh, for baseball there's always the the base tops the base tops chrome maybe a tops update tops chrome update Maybe you're looking for the, actually the Bowman Chrome, their first Bowman Chrome uh, that always has in value for basketball. You're looking at the optics, the prisms, um, you know, you had like that before the LeBron James era. you're looking at the tops because basketball still dealt with tops. Then you look for the Jordan, of course, the Fleers, but these things have grown in value. Let me just give you a simple example. Okay. Personally, I, I bought a Ronald Acuna jr. Okay. I think he's a phenomenal baseball player. Possibly maybe the next looking Mike Trout kind of guy uh, for around a hundred dollars or so uh about two months ago right now on ebay that same card psa 10 selling for almost 200 okay um you look at a guy like a king griffey jr 89 upper deck baseball um you know it it would start off you know somewhere around the 300 mark now hitting 500 Um, zions at one point hit over a thousand dollars for a psa 10 so what i'm saying is and there's even there's different ones i mean i bought a vladimir guerrero jr tops chrome refractor 2 months ago on my daughter's almost 3 months ago now but on my daughter's birth for 50 bucks it's now selling for 110 plus. So what I'm saying is is there is money in this market and it's actually a market that's expanding and growing every single day. But what you're looking for in this market and maybe next time I'll get more detailed about some cards and what and what you're looking for and how to even services you can use to uh you know uh, resources to look at and websites to look at and trends to follow. But you're looking for a guy that could, in your opinion, that's young, could be a future Hall of Famer, could blow up, or a guy that you think has recently retired that's going to become a Hall of Famer Then their card's going to go up. But you don't want just base cards. You want to have stuff that's graded or you think could grade very well because, again, that's where the money is. It's in scarcity. You know, Getting a, a rookie card of a pack is great, and that may give you some value. But when you grade it and it grades to a 10, that's where that value just exponentially increases. Um, I mean, folks, the, the recently there's a Mike Trout card, and I know not everybody has Mike Trout, so I understand that, that just sold for $95,000, PSA 10. Okay, so I'm telling you right now, if you do not believe me, then you're just, you're just, you're just, this is falling on deaf ears, and that's fine. But I could go back and I can show you time and time again of guys that have increased in value of baseball cards, football cards, and basketball cards. Now understand, just like any investment, any special you do with an athlete, right, you're going to have guys that drop off. Okay, four years ago, three years ago in baseball, who was one of the biggest names? Chris Bryant. Now, not so much. So things change. Players change. Players get better. Players get worse. Injuries happen. But it's an investment. And one thing I've only thought about is I've had, there's a couple articles you can even look up and Google it about that baseball card, football card, basketball card. Investing is actually very similar to the stock market. Um, It's actually, some people believe you can actually get better returns in the stock market. And I would actually challenge you you know, I, I put in 55 in a card, you know, three months ago. I've actually had a, a double my return in three months. You're not going to see that in the stock market, um, especially with, with um, the the world we're in right now. I'm not saying don't invest in the stock market. What I am saying is, is I think you can make a case there is money to be made here. And just like the stock market, guess what? There's money that can be lost here. Um, so stay within your budget. I'm not saying go out and blow you know, thousands of dollars on this stuff. But I am saying it can be fun if you enjoy the sport. If you're a basketball lover, man, find a guy, collect them, get their PSA 10 rookies, get some jersey stuff, get some autograph stuff, and and grow your collection, enjoy the hobby. And then, you know, take a couple chances on some younger guys. Um, Trey Young is one that I think a lot of people were not as high on, but, you know, the guy was, you know, 60, 70 bucks for his PSA 10 rookie. I think he's hitting 250 plus right now. And um, all it is is simply trying to get ahead of the curve, um, knowing your sport, and then capitalizing on that. So if you're a huge football fan, if I you right now the top five youngest players that you think would be really good, you'd have your five. Now, obviously, your Joe Burrows is going to be really expensive right now. But if you get in now and he explodes, then there you go. So, you know, I may uh, next week, if it's okay with you, Amon, uh, I'm going to maybe give some more detailed examples of cars that have actually gone up or gone down yep. um, to kind of, you know, uh, more capitalize on, on this conversation. But uh, do your research on eBay. It's a great site. Go to completed listings. You can see what they've sold for and stuff like that. But it's also fun to grow as a collection. Uh, there's something nostalgia about baseball cards. Everybody has those in their closet that you forgot about. And who knows? You may have something that may have some really big value, actually. Uh, so you may want to go check them out. Uh, but it's nostalgic. It's something that's been a part of our culture for so many years. And actually, it has exploded. And truthfully... Um, I don't think I think we're on the silver ground floor. I think we have a, this is going to be a huge uh, hobby that's going to just continue to to just boom, um, and thankfully due to some really explosive young players that people like watching. Uh, people see highlights that we live in a highlight culture, right? So you know I love the guys that can hit three hundred, but they're not hitting bombs. Um, they're going to be limited in, in exposure and people that love them. She's so looking for a highlight reels. She's looking like I said the Acuna's, the the power hitters, the Pete Alonzo's. The of course you have your the greats of all times, you know, the King Griffey Juniors, the Derek Jeters, things like that. In football, you're looking for those wide receivers that make plays. You know, sadly, the defensive lineman that's a great run stopper is not going to have a ton of value, right? You're looking for the the next great edge rusher. You're looking for the great running back. In basketball, you're looking for highlight guys, which is why Zion is such a huge commodity. Um, but LeBron and Jordan stuff and Kobe stuff, honestly, those three are incredibly – and they have gone up big time in value and will continue to as the scarcity and the rarity – And their fame and career gets even better. So anyways, and that's a lot of information overload, but there's tons of articles. Um, You can actually go to a place called goldcardauctions.com and actually search and they'll give you a rundown of their rookie cards, their investment advice, which ones to invest in, um, things like that. Uh, You can even join some Facebook groups that sell cards. um, And I call always be very wise in that. I wouldn't send anybody a thousand dollars, folks, be real, but um, you can find some cheaper cards there to buy and they'll ship to you. And of course, eBay is a huge site that you can buy off there and um, have fun with it. It's a hobby, yes, but if you want to invest, there's part of that as well, too. So maybe I'll bring some more detailed stuff next week, but wanted to kind of introduce it this week.
0: Good deal, man. Thanks for doing that. Absolutely. All right, everybody. This is the segment you've been waiting for. The Ending Rant.
1: Yeah, man. So I had a very interesting experience this week at, at one of the America's greatest restaurants. Um, some of you may know it. I mean, high class food, uh, high class atmosphere. Uh, I'm sure you're all thinking the same thing I am. McDonald's, uh, no. Uh, so <laughs> I go to McDonald's, man. I'm going there. I'm around the car, my dad, and I wanted to get me, you know, a buttermilk crispy chicken biscuit, two dollars, and a large sweet tea. That's like my go to for breakfast in the mornings. And some of you are thinking, man, what's the dude's problem? Uh, why would you eat that in the morning for breakfast? Um, well, you've not seen my physique. I'm in an excellent physical form right now. So don't <laughs> challenge that. Um, it's a great meal. Gets my day started off great. Well, I get the drink, man, pay my 323. I haven't got it memorized. Uh, I mean, I'm, I got it ready. So get to the, get to the school, get ready to start my day. And I look in the bag and they done messed me up. All right. They give me an egg McMuffin. Okay. Huh. First of all, I can't stand eggs. Okay. Second of all, there's no chicken. So now I'm just heartbroken. I can't like take the chicken off to eat the chicken. There is no chicken. I don't like eggs. It's just sitting there. So now I'm out of buttermilk crispy chicken biscuit. So now I'm already frustrated, right? I order buttermilk crispy chicken biscuit. It's on the menu. I pay the $2. I get in return egg McMuffin. Doesn't even sound the same. Doesn't look (laughs) the same. Doesn't have the same wrapper. How do you mess this up? Now I understand. I'm not mad at employees. Um, I'm just mad at the results they gave me. So I, I, I just am sitting there. I'm like, come on, man. I mean, it's not that hard. Give my, I need my buttermilk crispy chicken biscuit. You did not deliver, so I'm already frustrated. But there's a light in the tunnel, right? I have my large sweet tea. And if you're new to this podcast or if you know me at all, um, I love sweet tea. I, I love sweet tea. I, I am in the running, probably in next in line for a kidney stone because I've heard sweet teas cause kidney stones. And um, I even read that article and you know what I did? I went to the fridge and drank more sweet tea. I, it's inevitable. I mean, it's going to happen. It's going to happen, right? So, man, I had that sweet tea. And I like McDonald's sweet tea. It's not bad. It's a dollar, large sweet tea. Again, three twenty three for my breakfast. Sweet tea jump starts my day. You know, some of y'all drink coffee, you know, for three, four bucks. I drink sweet tea. So to each their own, right? It's just I say $3 every time. So... <laughs> so I had that sweet tea and it's just this rush that you get when that, it, you know, that first drop, you know, hits your mouth, it's like, boom. And it's just like, let's go. They gave me not sweet tea, but unsweet oh, that
0: stuff tea. Is nasty.
1: The worst thing you can possibly put in your mouth. And I'm just telling you folks, if you drink unsweet tea, I, 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 have, I have, I just can't understand where you're coming from. Okay. What's the point? All that is, is this is a classic markup for people that want to appear healthy, right? I'm going to get me an unsweet tea. Why? Why would you just not get water at that point? What's what's the difference? Why would you even try to say, you know, I'm drinking unsweet tea? Well, congratulations. It's like those that drink Diet Coke. You're still drinking Coke. I mean, it's literally no difference. I mean, come on. And I'm sitting like, okay, number one, who did this? They messed up my order, number one. Number two, I thought, you know what probably happened? This is someone else's order. Then I thought, what poor human soul orders an Eggman muffin with an unsweet tea? What <laughs> poor soul actually placed this order? Like, you got to have some serious issues. Man, I felt bad for them. Well, guess what they did, though? They got my buttermilk crispy chicken and a sweet tea. So they had a good day, and I got their order and had a pretty bad one. Um, so thank you, McDonald's, for ruining that. And that unsweet tea hit my mouth, and I'm not even joking. I'm in my office. I literally spit out like a fountain. I, I didn't even let it enter my system. I cannot do that. That's just, that's just disrespectful to sweet tea. So I didn't even let it enter my system, man. Spit that mess out. there on my floor. didn't even care. I'm like, I'm not letting unsweet tea come close uh, to coming into my veins, man. My sweet sweet tea runs in my veins, and uh, it's, it's just heartbreaking. It really was. Um, and I know these are first-world problems, and deal with it, America. It's a first-world problem. I understand that. Um, but, man, it was so good. Uh, two, the next day, for me to go back to McDonald's and get my actual order, right. I had that sweet tea, man. I was like, thank you. It's back. Um, these unsweet tea advocates uh, need to just to look at themselves in the mirror in the morning and realize, you know, what do you what do you advocating for? This stuff is garbage. It's true. Um, and, and because of your avocation for a sweet tea, unsweet tea, I receive that. So I don't understand, man. I don't understand why people do it. But hey, you know, more power to those that drink unsweet tea. Not my cup of tea. Um, and not trying to be a, a little pun there, but literally tough, tough day, man. So. Those of you that go to McDonald's and you you drink unsweet tea, um, you're part of the problem, and I'm praying for you. Uh, those of you that get the Epic Muffins, I can't eat eggs, so sorry that just messed me up. Um, but if you're looking for a decent breakfast, man, uh, stop by McDonald's, get that buttermilk Crispy Chicken and sweet tea. I think about Coaching K. Dot. I, I think about the time that I had unsweet tea and an Epic Muffin, and my day was ruined. <laughs> um, so everybody stay safe out there and uh, enjoy your breakfasts, and, breakfasts, goodness. Enjoy your breakfast. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, maybe you'll try that beautiful. I mean, look, I got one today, Ma. I'm not joking. I got one today. That piece of chicken was as big as my face. Bro, don't, I mean, hold I, on I, Rose. huge. Yes. Oh, yeah, bro.
0: They've been getting massive pieces of chicken out.
1: I was thrilled. I'm like, I'm like Lord, you just bless me with that huge piece of chicken. And of course, what I do, I ate that thing in less than 10 seconds. Well, so, I you know how that goes. I do. I so. I do. Anyways, man, terrible unsweet tea and egg McMuffin. My 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 heart just, just 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 sunk when I saw that. I'm like, yeah. And, and again, the first part, the McMuffin was rough. Then when you drank the unsweet tea, it just was like I was just snowball effect. It was over. It was over. <laughs> so yeah, that was it, man. It was a frustrating experience and first world problem. I get it, but you know, hey, we've all dealt with it. All right. Thank you for listening to Coach
0: and K Dot. Um, keep listening keep supporting subscribe run all podcast platforms apple spotify obviously shout out anchor for hosting us um we're going to try to record another one this week if we don't get to i'm sorry Uh, we're going to try and we're going to try to have this going every week so again thank you for listening uh and k dot we're out